0: Well, hello again. If you don't know me, I was here five, 10 seconds ago. <laughs> my name's Rob, I'm one of the ministers here. And when I was a kid, um, like these guys that have just been all around me doing such a fab job, when I was a kid, I thought I had the perfect family. And by the way, my parents are probably watching online right now. And um, So heads up, thank you so much for, for doing such a great job uh, providing a nice, lovely, stable home. And also remember that I've just publicly praised you. So the next time I get in trouble, I may need to use that get out of jail free card. Thanks, mom and dad. Appreciate that. Okay. So, uh, the truth is, however, even though I thought I had the perfect family, there is no such thing as a perfect family, right? Because families are made of people and there are no perfect people. So sometimes If you don't realize this by now, sometimes families fall out, sometimes families fight, things happen. You know, parents are under constant pressure and 99% of the time they receive absolutely no training for the situation they are faced with. I mean, I don't know about you, but children just baffle me at the best of times. And you you can kind of bring them all the way up to teenagers and adults and you still don't really understand what on earth goes on in their head sometimes. So hats off to you if you are a parent here. I'm very, very impressed with you. Sometimes kids don't realize that their brilliant plan or their fantastic activity is actually quite harebrained. Guys, I've got news for you. You will learn over time that some of the ideas that you think are brilliant now, not so good later in life. You realize, hmm, maybe I could improve on this. But, you know, these kinds of things happen. And, and they're a recipe for some tensions in your household, some family blow-ups, some tensions. So, basically, I just want to start off by saying don't be too hard on yourselves especially parents. Don't be too hard on yourself if sometimes, you know, arguments are had, maybe things are said that aren't really meant. It happens. It's kind of a product of putting people together in a little confined space. Sometimes that happens. Uh, We're all kind of, you know, called to, to really think about how we can communicate openly with one another, how we can treat each other fairly, how we can humble ourselves and just accept that we're all a work in progress, right? However, as I speak to quite a diverse group of people, both here in, in person and online as well, in person there, I'm pretty sure that some of you will come from a family where actually you might feel that there's something not so good about family life. That maybe your family relationships are a bit more unhealthy than normal. Maybe they're deeply unhealthy. I'm fairly sure that will be true for somebody today because it's always been true for somebody somewhere and for a lot of people in fact. And life can be really complex. Growing up in that environment can be complex. Continuing to try and work out how you you get along without falling out with with your family can be a real challenge. And so this morning I really want to just kind of focus on a few of the things that maybe you could put into place to make things a little bit better. I'm not promising any kind of quick fix solutions. Relationships are much more complicated than that. But I'm going to give you some tips today that if you put into practice, I think will make your family life better. And hey, if you think your family life needs a little bit of tweaking, or you think it needs a complete overhaul, these four tips will help one way or another. So make sure that by the end of today, you remember these four tips and you start putting them into practice. I I really believe that if you do that, God will do something in your family environment to begin to make things a little bit better. Who knows, maybe a lot better today i'm going to share with you what i think is one of the most inspirational stories in the bible uh well the beginning of that story the bit i'm sharing with you today may be a little bit less inspirational than some of the stuff to come because it's about a family and their dysfunction and their disorder but that's okay because the story ends well and trust me the story is going to be great over the next few weeks make sure that you tune in that you stay connected to us because you're going to find out this incredible story of this man called Joseph, who becomes one of the most significant heroes in the Bible, having come from a very, very dysfunctional family situation. He ends up being reunited with a father and siblings that he fell out with quite early on and was apart from from like 40, 50 years. So you know, no matter what's going on in your life, I hope that the wisdom that you hear from them put into place a few things that could cook at the Bible, actually, chapter 37, of the book of Genesis. And in the story, we are being introduced to the main characters who are as follows. Jacob, the first one. Jacob is the father. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. In other words, this is his family. This is like his family tree. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers the sons of Bilha and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Notice that. He had two wives. Already a recipe for some conflict, right? Two wives simultaneously? It's going to get tricky. Let me just throw that out there. But anyway, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. In other words, Joseph basically came and told his father that his brothers were up to no good. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. I wonder how well that endears you to your brother's. Not very much. When you tell on each other, things generally tend to go bad. Sometimes you have to. That's not to say that it doesn't have to happen, but just you can already see there's a little bit of tension forming in the family. Verse 3. Now Israel, that's also another name for Jacob, by the way. He loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he'd been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of the dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. You'd think he got the hint the first time, but he didn't, right? They're already annoyed. He gets another dream, and he tells them again. He says, listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, there are several things already in the story going on in this family that are like a red flag to me. They are signs that disaster is imminent. You know, the first problem is caused when Joseph comes and tells his father all the things that his brothers were doing wrong. Now, to be clear... It's obviously not always wrong to tell someone in authority when somebody else is doing something bad. Kids, I hope you know this. If someone's doing something bad that could hurt someone, you need to tell someone. But of course, you need to use your brain a little bit about that because telling tales is also not a great way to make friends. And it can cause you some relational difficulties, especially if you're telling on people in your family. And I think it's a little bit unfair that Jacob put Joseph in this position. You sent him out to go and check on his brothers and then bring a report back to him. He probably shouldn't have done that in the first place. Parenting 101, don't get one of your kids to spy on the other one. Not a great recipe for their relationship, just so you know. But anyway, there's this awkward tension that kind of begins to to build. I mean, it's possible that Joseph just enjoyed getting his his brothers in, in trouble. Anybody ever do that? Anybody just relish the opportunity to get their siblings and their brothers or their sisters in trouble? No, not a single person in this room. I'm looking at a bunch of saints here. Maybe somebody on the internet is being honest today. I don't know. I can't see your hands being put up, but thank you if you did. I'm sure we all did that. So I don't, I don't know for sure whether Joseph should have reported on his brothers to his father. I don't know what they were up to, and maybe they were up to no good, and it was really important that he did. But one thing I do know is that whenever family members talk about one another behind each other's backs nothing good follows that bad things follow so that's lesson number one from this family for a healthy family communicate openly with one another rather than gossiping about one another. The next obvious problem that I see in this story is Jacob's favoritism of Joseph, right? That is a problem. He gives him a fancy coat that sets him apart, probably means he doesn't have to do much manual labor, makes his brothers resent him even more. You know, the thing about being set apart as the favorite is that nobody wins. The person who's set apart as the favorite is being set up for resentment against them. And the person who's not the favorite is being set up to resent somebody else for the favoritism that's shown to them. And maybe to have a low opinion of themselves. Maybe if you're not the favorite, you spend your whole life trying to prove yourself to your parents or to your siblings or to anybody else in any position of authority. It's not a good thing. So parents, I say again, please don't pick a favorite child. It's extremely bad for everyone involved, even the favorite child. It is not good. So that's lesson number two. Treat everyone fairly and as equals. The third problem we see in the family dynamics here is the bitterness of Joseph's brothers towards him, that they allow to fester and fester until they actually get to a point where they hate him. You know, hating somebody doesn't do them or you any good. Nothing ever came of hating someone that was positive, ever. Hatred messes us up. And it messes the people that we hate up to. Hatred is what happens when we allow an intense emotional reaction to something that someone has done to us to become our permanent attitude towards them. But here's the thing, you can choose to respond rather than to react. You can choose how you relate to the people around you despite the fact that they might not relate very well to you. You can choose to love someone that doesn't show you love. In fact, that's the very meaning of love in the Bible, the kind of love that God gives. It's unconditional, it's a choice, it's a sign of your character, not the worthiness of the person who's being loved. You love because you choose to love that person, you choose what's best for that person. And that's difficult, but that's the kind of love that brings families together. When you love despite, whatever else is going on. So that's lesson number three. Love is a response that we choose, not a reaction to the good or the bad choices of others. The fourth problem that I notice as we look at this family's dynamics is the way that Joseph arrogantly announces his dreams, these grandiose dreams that he has to his siblings and his parents. You know, Joseph felt that these weren't ordinary dreams and that he was destined for greatness and he let it go to his head. He became arrogant. He lacked the emotional intelligence to think about how when he conveyed that to his family, that might sound to them. Imagine telling your dad and your brothers, you know, one day you guys are all going to serve me. It's going to be awesome. It doesn't endear you to people when you are arrogant like that. And as a young 17-year-old, he thought he was destined for greatness and everybody else needed to hear about how great his future was. You know, whatever you believe about God and the plans that he has for your life, or if you just have great ambitions, or you simply really believe in yourself and you think you're going to really make it in life, there's a simple principle here. Arrogance does not make you many friends. So that's lesson number four for a healthy family. Humble yourself. Because you are no better or no important than anyone else in your family. So folks, when families get complicated... When relationships get strained like they did for Joseph and like they have over the centuries for many many other families remember there are four tips that this story has already suggested to us four tips that if we implement could make things a bit better firstly communicate openly with everyone secondly treat everybody fairly as equals thirdly choose to love your family and fourth Humble yourself, because nobody's perfect, and everybody needs a bit of compassion, right? Now, I appreciate that for some of you here today or, or watching online, relationships in your family may be really toxic, and maybe there's a relationship that you think is so bad that there's no hope of real restoration. And if that's you, I really want to encourage you to think about what God could do in your circumstances. Because this is where the hope kind of comes in from our faith. This is when we reach the end of ourselves and we say, I just can't fix this, that we begin to see the beginning of where God could start to work because nothing is impossible for him. And over the next few weeks, you're going to hear how the story of Joseph plays out in a really miraculous way that he is reconciled to the very brothers that sold him into slavery, and to the father who he hasn't seen for years, who kind of set him up for failure, really, by making him his favorite. I really hope that you'll come to every one of these uh, incredible talks over the next few weeks that are going to set us up with one of the best stories in the Bible that will show us how God can work in miraculous and incredible ways in circumstances that we might sometimes feel are absolutely hopeless. I wanna pray a blessing over you all as I close. I wanna pray that God would do what God can do. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you are not like Jacob or any other flawed human being. And so I come to you in confidence knowing that your desire is what's best for your children and that you long for family members to be a blessing to one another. Father, forgive us when we so often make poor choices in the way that we relate to one another. And in your mercy, show us a better way to relate. I ask you to bless each individual and each family in this room with the wisdom that they need to build better relationships. I ask you to help us all cultivate openness, fairness, love, and humility in our relationships with one another. And finally, I ask you to do miraculous things for anyone here who calls out for your help with their family situation. And I pray that you would open their eyes to see you at work around them, even when families are complicated and relationships are tense. You were there in the tension with us. Help us to find hope in you and to live differently as a result. I pray this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.